This week, we have a double portion, Tezria Metzora. It includes several strange and sometimes bizarre laws, but like all things Torah, these are for our benefit, and there are many spiritual lessons embedded beneath the surface, and quite often we find messianic significance in these mitzvahs as well. So the subject this morning, of course, is Zera'at and Lashon Hara, which is evil speech. I will set the table with reading from Parashat Tazria. It's Leviticus chapter 13 is where I'm going to begin. We'll spend a lot of our time um, this morning in the first couple chapters here. Parashat Tazria. We're going to start in chapter 13. There's a little heading there that says Sarah'at, supernatural skin disease. I'm going to read the first eight verses. Then Adonai spoke to Moses and Aharon, saying, When a man has a swelling on the skin of his body, or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes the plague mark of Sarah'at in his flesh, then he shall be brought to Aharon and the Kohen, or to one of his sons, the Kohenim. The Kohen is to examine the plague of Sarah'at on the skin, and if the hair in the plague has turned white, and the appearance of the plague is deeper than the body's skin, it is the plague of Sarah'at. Thus the Kohen shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. If the, if the bright spot is white in the skin of his body, but its appearance is not deeper than the skin, and its hair has not turned white, then the Kohen is to isolate the infected person for seven days. The Kohen shall examine him on the seventh day, and behold, if he sees the plague has not spread in the skin, then the Kohen is to isolate him for seven more days. The Kohen is to examine him again on the seventh day, and behold, if the plague has faded and is not spread on the skin, then the scab, or then the Kohen shall pronounce him clean. It is a scab. He is to wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab has spread on the skin after he has shown himself to the Kohen for his cleansing, he is to uh, show himself to the Kohen once again. The Kohen is to examine him, and if the scab has spread on the skin, then the Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. It is Sarah'at. Now, Sarah'at, of course, isn't the leprosy that we know today. When we think of lepers today, it's generally something called Hansen's disease. Hansen's disease is fairly rare. It affects only about 20,000 people a year. You get blotchy red skin. It's caused by a bacteria. Chances are you'll be okay. They can clear that up, and it takes 6 to 12 months, and it takes a cocktail of drugs to get rid of it, but this is Hansen's disease. That's not what we're talking about here. Sarat, of course, is different. This is, it's a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. It's traditionally accepted that Lashan Hara, or evil speech, is the source of Sarat. This is learned from the story of Miriam, who spoke ill of her brother, I'm going to read a few verses from Numbers chapter 12, and then we'll come back here. Numbers chapter 12 isn't very far. Numbers chapter 12. I love the headings in the Tree of Life Bible. Numbers chapter 12, it says, Miriam and Aaron speak against Moses. Numbers 12, verse 1, Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses on account of the Cushite woman he married, because he'd married a Cushite woman. Miriam doesn't like his wife. They asked, has Adonai spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he also spoken through us? So it sounds like they're irritated about a couple different things there. Adonai heard it. 
Now the man, Moses, was very humble, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. Immediately, Adonai said to Moses, uh, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, the three of you come out to the tent of meeting. So the three came out. Adonai descended in a column of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent of meeting, and called to Aaron and Miriam. And the two of them stepped forward. Hear now my words, he said. When there is a prophet of Adonai, I reveal my Self in a vision, I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. In all my house, he is faithful. I speak with him face to face, plainly, and not in riddles. He even looks at the form of Adonai. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Adonai's anger burned against them, and he left them. When the cloud lifted up from above the tent, behold, Miriam has Sarah like snow. And Aaron turned towards her, and behold, she had Sarah. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, do not hold against us the sin we have committed so foolishly. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby who comes from his mother's milk with flesh half eaten away. And so we see here it was her speech that caused Sarah. It was Miriam speaking ill of her brother. And that is the most clearest um, source of Sarah that we have in the scriptures. So continuing in Vayikra or Leviticus chapter 13, the Torah, as you read on from verse 8, describes a whole series of inspections and quarantines that have to be that one has to go through to even determine if the person is truly afflicted with a disease or not. It's a long process and a serious one. They don't just like throwing around declaring Sarah out on everybody because it's a very involved process once you get past that point. Once the diagnosis is confirmed, they are declared unclean and sent out of the camp. And then the Torah gives us a bit of a strange twist. Um, in verse 45, so we're in chapter 13 still, but in verse 45, the heading here says, unclean, unclean. So we're going to read about, after all the examinations have gone on, finally, um, the person is declared unclean. Leviticus 13.45, the one with Sarah who has the plague mark um, shall wear torn clothes, the hair of his head is to hang loose. He is to cover his upper lip and cry, unclean, unclean. All the days during which the plague is on him, he will be unclean. He is unclean. He is to dwell alone. Outside of the camp will be his dwelling. So he's kicked out of the camp. Sounds, you know, like, okay, it sounds about right. Continuing, also when a garment has a mark of Sarah on it, whether it is a woolen or linen garment, or whether it is woven or textured, linen or wool or leather, or anything made from leather, or if the mark is greenish or reddish within the garment or in the leather, or in the weaving or the texture, or anything made from leather, it is the plague of Sarah and shall be shown to the Kohen. The Kohen is to examine the plague and isolate it for seven days. Then he's to re-examine the plague on the seventh day. If the plague has spread in the garment, either in the weaving, the texture, or the leather. Whatever the use for the leather may be, the plague is a destructive mildew, it's unclean. He is to burn the garment 
or weaving or the texture of wool or linen or anything of leather in which the plague resides, for it is a destructive mildew. It is to be burned in the fire. Sounds strange that inanimate objects can become infected. You know, this confirms the supernatural source of this disease. It's something that can affect your clothes or anything made of leather. We don't experience anything like that today, obviously. Even your house can become contaminated. This is talked about in Parashat Metzora, um, uh, which is the next chapter. Those who are listening online didn't hear the readings from my wife, Amber. Those listening online, may you be blessed wherever you are, and thank you for listening. But there is, uh, Sarah'at can not only affect a person or the clothing or things made of leather, it can also affect the whole house. Um, I'll read a few verses from Leviticus chapter 14 for those listening. Um, 33, chapter 14, verse 33. It says, Adonai spoke to Moses and Aharon, saying, Suppose you have uh, come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you for a possession, and I put a mark of Sarah and a house in the land you possess. Then a one, the one who owns the house shall come and tell the Kohen, Say, uh, saying, something like a mark has appeared in my house, and the Kohen is to order the house emptied before he goes in to examine the mark, so that nothing in the house might be made unclean. Then afterwards, the Kohen is to enter the, and inspect the house, examine the mark, and if the mark uh, in the walls of the house with hollow streaks, greenish or reddish, appears to be deeper than the wall, then the Kohen is to go out of the house, uh, to the door and close the house up for seven days. And then it goes on and on. That just like the, uh, like the Metzor, just like the person with um, Sarah'at, there's a whole series of tests for one's house. Can you imagine how this would play out today? I mean, the whole house has to be cleaned out. Suppose I wake up one morning and I'm brushing my teeth and I notice some Sarah'at on my arm. Then I get a sinking feeling, oh, man, all week I've been at work and we've been talking about this jerk that's been demoted, and it's because he's a jerk to everybody and he has it coming. But even if it's true, still Sarah, ah, I feel very convicted on this. So I wash up a little bit. I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to call my Cohen. And I look up in the corner of the bathroom and I see Sarah, ah, where I think Sarah, ah, on the wall. Oh, now it's the house is infected now. And the wife's really not going to like this. I get a hold of the Cohen. You got to come by this afternoon and check this out. I need some time, though. Um, you got time? Okay, okay. So Cohen's pushing this off. He's going to buy me a little time to kind of get ready. I got to go into the bedroom and ask wives, who are you talking to in there? Ah, honey, I got something to tell you. I explain the situation to her. She becomes very irritated. Oh, she's not going to say anything. Don't want to commit Lashon Hara. But we have a house to empty out. She's grabbing the kids' clothes and her clothes. It's going to be several days, maybe a week, before she can go back in. And she's loading up the traverse with all the kids' clothes. And I'm trying to bring tables and chairs out into the front lawn. You don't need anything else getting infected and pots and pans. And the couch are trying to drag out there and you know, put on the sidewalk. And the, meanwhile, my neighbors are you know, leaving for work and driving down the street looking at me and kids walking to school. Very embarrassing, you know, piling everything you own up out on the front lawn. 
all the pictures off the walls, all my books in my bookshelf I'm trying to shove into my Subaru. Meanwhile, I have to call into work for a couple weeks, at least a couple weeks. Wife's going to go live with her mother-in-law, my, my mother-in-law, for a bit. Um, perhaps my mom would come stay with one of you guys, maybe in her van. I don't know. Can you imagine how disruptive this would be to one's life? I'm not sure how today's world would handle that if this phenomena of Sarah'ah were actually uh, still a thing. I think, well, I, man, there'd obviously be a, a real steep learning curve where just about everyone would have it, but it certainly would be something that would really bring home what your speech is. You'd really begin to think about your evil speech and how it's not just... Um, Sometimes you tell a very crude joke or you talk about very inappropriate, crude things. Of course, most of us would understand that's evil speech, but even things, re, uh, things that are true about somebody, by bringing them up, even if it's true, that too is evil speech. It's just a big deal. The cure of this, of course, is rather interesting. Um, the cure, the the purification for the person who has leprosy and the house is relatively the same thing, at least the end of it. Um, and verse 48 there, just down a little bit. This is an interesting cure. Uh, it says, but if the Kohen comes in, inspects it, and behold, the plague is not spread within the house after it was replastered, yeah. Not to mention, do we have to move out for a few weeks, but... Now we're ripping out all the drywall. That has to get all rebuilt. I mean, can you imagine just the pain, disruption of your life this would be? Anyways, you get the whole place remodeled. Finally, you can move back in. Then he shall pronounce the house clean because the contamination is healed. In order to cleanse the house, he's to take two birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop, very common items when you... When you talk about the ashes of a red heifer, it's these items as well, scarlet and hyssop, I mean, it, common items in Scripture. He is to kill one of the birds in a clay pot over living water. So he has a clay pot full of water. He kills the bird, puts some of the blood in the water. So now he has a clay pot with a mixture of water and a little bit of the first bird's blood. Then he's to take the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet, and the living bird. He takes them all in his hands, bundled all up. He's holding a little chunk of wood and this live bird. He dips that whole handful of stuff into the water and starts sprinkling the house seven times. You've got to wonder what this bird is thinking. Sprinkles the house seven times and then lets the bird go, and I'd imagine that bird takes off at this point. And then they're good. I mean... You, you can see the, the parallels there. Think of the parallels between Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, you have two goats. One of them is um, killed and the other is let go. Um, you can think of, uh, you know, Barabbas and Yeshua, right? One is let go. And one has his, offers his life for a reason. These themes keep repeating themselves over and over in Scripture. Many of the themes overlap. And it just lets you know this is teaching for um, when, you know, when Yeshua says, Moses wrote about me. You can begin to see that 
even back in here. And then the Torah portion coming up in a few weeks, I believe, we have the Yom Kippur sacrifices and ritual. And we'll probably talk about this again a little more in depth at that point. But all this is about temporary reconciliation in a physical sense, of course. Now the house is cleaned, the person's cleaned, he goes through, I would go through a similar process, and that's temporary. I can get Sarah out again. So it's temporary reconciliation in a physical sense, facilitated by an earthly priest. And we know that in the future, there will be a spiritual, eternal reconciliation that's facilitated, of course, by our heavenly high priest, Yeshua of Nazareth. Again, these themes overlap and kind of grow from local physical ideas to cosmic eternal ideas. But the foundation of it all is right here in Torah. We're not in the kingdom yet. We still have earthly problems to navigate, evil speech, gossip, you know, inappropriate or crude conversations and jokes, these all have an effect on us, even if they're true, even if the jokes are a little funny. Speech does not originate in a vacuum. You know, it reveals what is hidden in a person's heart. When a person speaks undesirably, that indicates something about his character, something that's happening in your heart. And Sarah is designed to draw attention to that, so that these character flaws can be corrected. The character flaws are what Yeshua taught about the most. It was really ethics. Yes, Yeshua healed many people. He healed some lepers by touching them. He healed other lepers from a distance. But he was more concerned with preventing the cause of Sarah's. That's what he preached about the most. Speech, what you say. Um, I think of uh, Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, I'll read that to you a little bit, about our speech. This is what Yeshua says about our speech, Matthew 12, 33. Oh, I didn't need a minute to go there. Matthew 12, let's back this way a little. Yes. Matthew 12, 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree rotten and its fruit rotten, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, he's talking, he's arguing with some Pharisees here. How can you who are evil say anything good? For from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's such just one of my most favorite verses in the scriptures. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man from his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil man from his evil treasury brings forth evil. But I tell you that on the day of judgment, men will give an account for every careless word they speak. Let me tell you, that scares the you-know-what out of me, that you would have to give an account of every careless word. I've spoken a lot of careless words in my life, and to be quite honest, I don't really care to hear them again. That sounds horrifying to have to do that, to stand before the Almighty and to hear that replayed again. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Again, Lashan Hara, evil speech, starts in the heart. I mean, sometimes you do speak without thinking. I've done, I do that. Um, but oftentimes we think about these things, and sometimes those things should really never make it past our lips. And I'm guilty of that too. 
I would like to thank all of us here are in the process of continually seeking to refine our character. You know, part of that process, of course, is watching our speech. Um, I know this because many people here sometimes have a subject they want to bring up, but they don't want to speak too much because they tell me that they're fearful that this is gossip or evil speech. And there is a time and a place to discuss difficult things. Um, of course, one needs to warn others of a snake in the grass. We all kind of get that concept. But generally, situations like that are a bit rare, and there is a proper way to do that. We do well as a community, in my humble opinion. I like to think so. But as we cultivate that good fruit in us, we need to remain vigilant not to fall victim to our human proclivities. Because as we see wickedness celebrated in the world, it's difficult not to voice our frustrations about that. You know, when, when we see iniquity praised, it stirs up a little anger in our heart. You know, sometimes we just can't let that anger get past our lips, even if it's true. Let us all remember the words of Peter. We'll close with uh, some advice from Peter who implores us to be careful about our speech. Last reading this morning is from 1 Peter, chapter 3. I don't have page numbers because I left my computer at home and the wife had to go back and get it. 1 Peter is one of them. Some of them smaller books are hard to find. You can blast right past it. 1 Peter, chapter 3 is on page 1181 in the Tree of Life version. Um, I have a Tree of Life version here as well, but it's a little bit bigger print easier for me to see, even with bifocals. And so the page numbers are all different. First Peter chapter 3. Second Peter. First Peter chapter 3. I'd like to read from starting at verse 8. First Peter, Peter's going to be quoting a psalm here, but he gives a little intro to it that I think is wonderful. Finally, all of you be harmonious right? Sympathetic, very good thing. Brotherly, tender-hearted. You got to have a tender heart. Can't be, you know, hoarding a bunch of anger in there. You have to be tender-hearted, humble-minded. Do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. It is for this reason you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who loves life, wanting to see good days, must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek shalom, peace, and pursue it. For the eyes of Adonai are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of Adonai is against those who do evil. So may we be vigilant in guarding our hearts and our minds and may our speech be something that blesses others and may we uh, prepare to enter his kingdom with the purity that Yeshua provides for us soon and in our days. Shabbat Shalom.